This is Dangerous Vision, a production of the Massachusetts Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. And then, wham, this isn't transient. In fact, what I've lost is already gone. It's not coming back. Randy Pierce on Going Blind. But there's an awful lot more people who they look at that cane and they either have pity, which I certainly don't want, or fear, which I don't understand. Randy Pierce on Being Blind. Hiking is sort of analogous to lots of things, right? Yeah. Randy Pierce on living with blindness. Reaching your peak potential, how do we become the best we can be? That's a part of the journey that I want all of us to be on. Randy is the president of 2020 Vision Quest and is a guest on Dangerous Vision. Hi, I'm Randy Cohen here on Dangerous Vision, and today I'm interviewing another Randy, Randy Pierce. Uh, Randy, uh, welcome to Dangerous Vision. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. And uh, despite the name confusion, I think we'll work through this just fine. Yeah, I think people will be able to uh, to tell uh, which of us is which. Um, so, um, Randy, tell me, uh, get us started. Tell me, tell me a little about your background and history. What, why don't you start by telling us about your vision, just so that people, because obviously, um, you know, different people come from different services. I'll just say, uh, I I grew up sort of very, very nearsighted, and I have retinitis pigmentosa, and it kind of got worse every year, and I still have a little bit of sight left, but not not too much. It helps our, our listeners to have a sense where, uh, where we're all coming from in that journey. Sure. One of the things I like in the journey of sight loss and sight is that I've, I feel like I've covered a lot of the spectrum because I grew up fully sighted, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until the age of 22 that that transitioned for me, and it was a very abrupt transformation for me and unexpected. And in the span of two weeks, I lost all of the sight in my right eye, 100%, and about 50% in my left eye, dropping that eye into a severe tunnel vision. So with RP, you understand tunnel vision concept pretty well. So my acuity was good in that center field, Mm -hmm. but really restricted. And, you know, instantly I was legally blind. Uh, I was in the hospital for two months while they tried to sort out what caused it. And I would then spend 11 years at roughly that level. I'd lose a little every couple of years. I would have an episode and it would shrink down that tunnel a little bit more until uh, 2000. And on September 14th, 2000 was when the last little bit of that site closed out, leaving me totally blind. So I understand the spectrum of low vision, mm-hmm. no vision, and full vision pretty well as, uh, as kind of three sections of my life. Yeah. Well, so so let me ask you about because um, I would say, you know, I know a fair number of people like me who've had kind of the the slow dawning, you know, okay, every every year is going to be a little worse. And, uh, and I've interviewed a bunch of people for the podcast who've, uh, you know, been blind from a very young age. Uh, but you've had you've had the experience. I, I, I'm just curious as to Tell me about the extent to which you freaked out uh, during that couple of, uh, of weeks when you went, uh, you know, from, from uh, so much to, to so little. I, was that something where you were like, oh, c'est la vie, life deals us blows and we just rebound from it? Or, or were you like kind of uh, 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 losing your shit, not to put too fine a point on <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. At first it was sort of surreal in that, you know, something goes wrong, you go to the hospital to get better, right? That's what the doctor's going to do. So this, this two shall pass. It's going to be this quick thing. They'll fix it. And it's frustrating and I'm angry and disappointed, but it's going to be temporary. And then wham, this isn't transient. In fact, what I've lost is already gone. It's not coming back. And who knows how much worse it's getting. And, you know, as you said, it was, it was devastating. And if it isn't, you're probably in some stage of denial. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's just the, the natural progression of loss. Right. Right. And 
you know, a lot of people look at me today and think, you know, how could you have ever been somebody who took it so roughly? Because that's not where I am today. Because change is hard, right? For anybody, going blind is incredibly hard, mm -hmm. I think. Being blind isn't necessarily, it's all, that, that comes down to, you know, approach and choice and reactions. But those first few moments, measured in days, weeks, months, uh, those were, were awful. And I, that doesn't mean I still don't have bad days, but it was, I was angry at the world. Why did this happen to me? Yeah. And what am I going to do? I, I was the, I was a little mopey certainly. And I was shutting people out from it, which I think is a, a non untypical reaction, right? Yeah. I think it's common. So how, so, so do you have any comments on, on the best way to handle any advice for people? Like, like this may be a podcast that people listen to and they say, oh my gosh, you know, I know this person who's going through this and, you know, they'd love to hear any, any thoughts you have on, on how to deal with such a, such a difficult situation. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. I talked to a lot of people cause it's been a long time for me at this point, right? I'm, I'm approaching 20 years in this. Um, and I, I think each person's journey is going to be different because it's going to be based on all of the things we bring to it, all of our qualities and attributes. But that ultimately culminates in how we are going to, what we're going to take away. You are going to get to choose how you respond. Lots of people say that and they say that's empowering, but I, I really believe this is the more important part of it. How you choose to respond is going to have a bigger impact on your life than the challenge, whether it's blindness or whether it's anything ever could. Right? My life isn't about my blindness anymore. It used to be. But when you start saying, okay, the change is hard, when I start learning what, what does it actually mean? What does it actually prevent? And how do I dig into the, to the problem solving to start doing all the things that I do want to do? And that includes risk manipulation on all the events, including social risk management, because you know people and the interactions with people is a huge part of that process. Yeah. So, so you're 22, you've just finished college. What, so, so tell me about sort of what you studied in college, what your plans and schemes were, what, what, what were you thinking career-wise at that point, And what were the things you did for joy and so forth? And then how much did that change, you know, two weeks later, or was it, well, so, since you still had the tunnel in the left eye, nothing changed very much for a long time or, or take me through that. Right. So uh, I, I studied electrical engineering in college. So I did computer design and I had summer hired at a company called Digital Equipment. And I, they, they gave me an offer from my senior year and I went to work for them doing basically network communication products, doing the hardware design, which means looking at schematics, which means a lot of things that instantly became more challenging. And there was a couple, couple of months off from work. And then really, you know, they, they tell me right up front, hey you, hey, you have disability insurance. You don't have to come back. I don't say it in those words, but that's really the message. Okay. Um, but but I want to work at that point in time. You know, yeah. I thought I was on top of the world. What twenty two year old fresh out of college doesn't, right? Good job, good pay. Um, I was very active. I was engaged in virtually everything, right? Just like in school, I you know every sport. I was a drummer in band. I loved to sing. I was in scouts, right? I just theater. You name it. I love to be engaged and involved in life, and mm -hmm. that's still the case now. Sure. But in that interim, I walked away from it all. You know, I'm a, I'm a passionate reader. I think we have that in common. And, mm -hmm. and I stopped reading because it was too hard. Too painful. Even yeah. with that little thing. So I would say complete shutdown for some amount of time. Yeah. Um, and for, for me, that was probably three months of complete shutdown and then a slow integration into finding out, okay, I can use the limited vision I have to start doing some of these things. And some of that was still in denial where I'm like, okay, I'm using my site and I'll – 
forced my way into these things, and it really wasn't as problem solving as I'd like. Right, I got the basics. So wait, so, so for three months, you're you you didn't go into work or anything. Is that right? That's correct. Right. So the and and you're and 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 now, did you have your own place, or were you living with family, or were you living with uh, with roommates, or 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 you know what have you? What like I'm just trying to get a picture of your life situation at that moment. Yeah. No. Thanks for that clarity. You're absolutely right to to focus in on that. So I um I had been living with a couple of guys that I that I knew, one from college, one from work, and we had rented a condo. I think they actually had bought the condo, and I rented a room from them. They bought it while I summer hired, and. While I was in the hospital for two months of that three-month period, because it really was that long, I was in the hospital being oh, studied. Wow. Okay, so for much of it, you're actually in the hospital. Okay, correct. They um, they were willing to work with me, but my brother said, "You know what? We're going to build an in-law apartment. We're going to give you a place to stay because, like much of the world, they're freak out that you know a blind person isn't going to be able to do anything. Yeah. We're going to have to take care of him." And my brother wasn't bad about that, but his mentality was, "We've got to try to help out. What can we do?" And that's what he did. And so. You know, it was even unfinished. So that, that I moved in with him, and I, it was unfinished. And I remember staring at the floor joists mm-hmm. and very much frustrated, and counting, you know, the the nails sticking through the floor joists uh, as my use of my sight, pretty pretty stupidly, really, but yeah. just as a sign of the mental frustration. Yeah. No, just to feel like you can. I totally understand. And and what what did they tell you for a prognosis? Did they say? you know, look, you should expect to lose the rest of your sight, but we don't know when, or do they say you might hold on to this for good or, or we don't know what would they tell you? Yeah, they, they didn't know what I had at that point in time. Oh, wow. and, and they've only fairly recently come become comfortable with, with my diagnosis. Oh gosh. Um, okay. so it, it was, so they didn't I know unique, what to tell you. They're like, yeah, I have a unique mitochondrial disease. Uh-huh. And the fact that it's unique is what the problem is. And back then they didn't even know what mitochondrial disease was. Um, cause that was 1989. This is like the old joke. Lou Gehrig died of Lou Gehrig's disease. Should have seen that one coming. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and you're, you're spot on about that. Uh, fortunately, right, a little less fatal, whatever I have. And yeah, you know, like Mr. Bubonic, I'd really rather not have this condition named after me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the um, – OK. So, um, so you do two months in the hospital. Your brother's nice enough to set up an in-law apartment for you. So now you're set up in the new apartment. You're staring at the floor joists for a month and then – uh, is is there an epiphany day where you're like, I'm going to go conquer the world as a mostly blind guy. Nothing's going to stop me. Or was it just like, ah, crap, I got to make a living. Let's just see how this goes. Or, or, you know, what's what's the next phase? So like it is for many people, some services start getting connected to me. You know, some mm-hmm. basic, how do you use a cane? How do you handle mobility? How do you learn to get around? And, you know, in New Hampshire, where I live, that organization is called Future Insight. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's Mass Association for the Blind. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, th- that Future Insight, I think at the time, was called New Hampshire Association for the Blind. I don't even know how I got connected to them, right? And there's there's a great travesty about both of those organizations. It's that so often the people who need it aren't referred to it. And how do they get in contact with each other, right? Right. Um, and it's, it's I, one of the things we're hoping to accomplish with the podcast is to have an easy way for people to – you know, kind of hear from people who've who've gotten help in in a million different ways, whether it's through technology, whether it's through services like that, and and just kind of try to give people a sense of all the things that are out there. And our hope is that you know, even if the person in need doesn't hear it, somebody who knows them or somebody who knows someone who knows them will hear it, and uh, and we'll spread the word and, and overcome some of the some of the phobias that drive people away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, Future Insight. You know, they opted to change their name, like some organizations have. And good or not, some of the phobias that are not good 
our phobias of the word blind. Um, mm-hmm. And I get it, Ray. If you're getting the diagnosis, I certainly, if you said, hey, you, you know, you're legally blind, I'm like, well, I don't know what that means, but it's already slating towards a word that sounds like I don't want to go there. Oh, th- this is where the name of the podcast comes from, right? It's like I felt like legally blind, low vision, partially sighted. They all sounded really, you know, negative. And I was like, I want something sexy. I have dangerous vision. I'm just, I can see just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> right. Sh- sure. And you know, so, you're not, maybe we can get this to catch on, you know, the Society for Dangerous Vision. <laughs> it's, it's not just the clients that experience that, people going through it though, right? So doctors, who wants to tell their patient and use that word either? Yeah, because as soon as they do, they intimidate their patient, drive them away. So anyhow, those services come in, but they still, they sort of coach you a little bit at first because you don't really want their services. And the last thing I wanted to do was use a cane sure. because with the sight I had, I get to see how people look at me when I use a cane. Right. And they, you know, there's some people who aren't unfaced, but there's an awful lot more people who they look at that cane and they either have pity which I certainly don't want, or fear, which I don't understand. But those reactions are not uncommon. And even in this day and age, you know, I use guide dogs these days, but every once in a while, there's a reason I need my cane. I go out with my cane and my wife says, it still happens. And she doesn't understand it, but I don't see it now, so I don't stress about it. But. Exactly. I, I, I have the I have this collapsible cane, and I love it because you know when I need to uh, show everyone that I'm blind, so that someone will come help me in an airport or or whatever, I can pull it out and be the blind guy, and then it folds up, uh, you know, uh, uh, like a you know like an umbrella, sort of telescopes down to to, to the size of a cigar. You stick it in, um, I stick it in my coat pocket, and then if I'm in a meeting or whatever, I don't have this sort of constant reminder out there. Uh, that I'm different. And, uh, so that was a real day. I, I, I resisted getting a cane. Uh, friends of mine were like, you have to get a cane. You're going to get killed out there. You're going to fall down a flight of steps there. And I did have a couple of bad close calls. Um, and then thankfully, uh, uh, Chris Park, uh, uh, invented, uh, this, this amazing collapsible cane. And, and, uh, really that was the difference maker for me. And now if a time came when I needed a cane with more support or whatever, you know, it's been long enough that I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm blind. It's okay. Coming up. Randy Cohen on TV. The best line in the, in the history of television is Randy Pierce on technology. The biggest game changer is the touchscreen phone. Great looks open doors, but great hair busts them down. You um so so you got some services. They pushed you in the right direction. You resisted, but over time you started to uh, you know understand some of the tools that were available at your display. And then did you go back to digital? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and went back kind of in the denial phase too, right? Of the, okay, I'm really actually sighted. I'm a sighted guy mm-hmm. who has a sight problem. Right. Um, and it's interesting that my whole world was still focused on sight. I am neither a sighted or a blind or a, or a legally blind or a partially sighted person. I'm a person. That's what I didn't get to. But in mm-hmm. my mindset at that time, I was a sighted guy. Right. Um, and, and so, and so, how how did it go? Like, was the, was the work not a problem with that level of sight until your next event, or were, did it really slow you down and you just tried to kid yourself? Oh, it was harder, and I had to I had to work harder to to do the same pace that I could do before. Mm-hmm. But I think with many things, you know, it, they things can be an excuse why you don't, or it can be the reason it's more difficult. Mm-hmm. And if you let it be the first, you don't do it. And if you let it be the second, you just you just work a little harder to and get what you want. Are you still an electrical engineer today? Has you have you stayed with that for the full twenty years, or did you move into other things? So I, I moved into other things. Mm-hmm. Um, do I use my electrical engineering background? You bet. 
Mm-hmm. You bet, because technology in our day and age is, is absolutely fantastic. And I know you feel that way a little bit because I've done a little bit of looking yeah. into how you approach the world. But yeah. Right. I mean, it change, it's a game changer for us. hundred percent. So you want to tell us about, I like to ask people about technologies they use mostly for my own completely selfish interest in finding out about cool new stuff. Um, because it's like certain kinds of gadgets that I used to really enjoy aren't, you know, aren't fun anymore now that I'm blind, but there's a whole new set of gadgets that are fun because I'm blind. Plus they actually help me do stuff. So, uh, if you have any, uh, if you have any tips, either, either something new that's that, that you're really excited about, or just if you want to kind of give a rundown of what two or three of the key things things are that you use in your life, I'd love to hear about them. You, you know, the, the biggest game changer is the one that I, I thought was going to erase my ability. And it's honestly, it's the, it's the touchscreen phone, right? But it's, it's mm-hmm. the modern phone. where we right. It was so frustrating for a long time, not having tactile keys, but they've really worked miracles. <laughs> it, so it, it had zero frustration for me because I fought and resisted it because I was using a KNFB reader on an old Nokia with buttons mm-hmm. and that's when the iPhone and other things arrived and I was like I don't know how I'm ever going to use those so I won't even I won't even try and that's that's the antithesis of what I believe generally mm-hmm. but I had a phone that worked for me so I kept going and then I, I heard enough about voiceover I was like okay let me try and now I can tactilely learn how maps are mm-hmm. by you know by the sound by the by the haptic feedback I can you know whether it's GPS whether it's color identification, whether it's, you know, even connecting with people, whether it's Ira or whether it's, you know, be my eyes, you know, there's, there's limitless options. Anywhere I go, I can read anything at any point in time. I travel independently. Now, now if you, do you, if you use Ira and be my eyes, both, are there advantages to each? When would you use one versus the other? So they each have it, have their strengths. So be my eyes strength is that it's free. Ah, that is a powerful <laughs> and, strength. That's a superpower. Yeah, and, and Ira <laughs> Kudos, blows it by away the way, every, to all the volunteers out there at be my eyes that make that possible. It's amazing. That, that's exactly right. And they're fantastic. You know, I, I was just a keynote speaker up at Samoset resort in Maine and, uh, it's a, it's a hidden twisty little passageway and they closed a door and my guide dog couldn't find it in the morning and I'm heading out early. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got to volunteer at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because she was from Great Britain. Hmm. And she and I had a great adventure together trying to find where the closed tunnel was that had sealed <laughs> us up. But, That's right. By uh, the way, the, I, you know, it's funny. So it's, it's called the resort's called Samoset. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's exactly. just funny because I, uh, when I was a kid, I spent every summer at a uh, at a at a summer camp called Camp Cedar, and uh, Camp Samoset was our uh, arch rival camp. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I should go check out the resort. You know, be uh, it's like dancing on your enemy's grave. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, hopefully, Camp Samoset's still going strong. I shouldn't make grave jokes, but yeah, the uh, yes. Yeah, so okay, so, so be my eyes. So be my eyes is free, and then and then Ira. So you pay for Ira. So why is it worth paying for Ira? So I, it, it all depends on, you know, what, how many minutes you want to pay for. It has some extra features. You can have it all the time. It's going to have a GPS location. It's going to have your built-in preferences. Mm. And you're always going to get a professional who knows how to communicate you in an orientation and mobility language. I see. Those That's can cool. come in handy. Yeah. Right? That's pretty cool. So w- what's the level of urgency might determine that. If I've got a relaxed environment, I might make the free call. If I've got, hey, I, I need to know I'm going to get a result right now and I'm going to get a quality result, then I'd probably call Ira. So let me ask you this. Um, you use voiceover. I do as well. Do you also use speak screen? 
I don't use speak screen. So no. I'm going to, I'm going to recommend, I, look, clear, speak screen is basically for, to read out loud, but it's, it helps, it, it helps if you're sighted. But what I have yes. discovered with the current version of everything is that the combination is devastatingly powerful because the problem with voiceover, I mean, voiceover is fantastic. There's no real problem yeah. with it. But what I'll say, having gotten used to speak screen when my eyesight was better a couple years ago is that, um, uh, if you read if so, if if I like to read like long articles on the web, right? So I'll be reading some article about basketball. But the problem is you can't go do anything else on your phone while that article's reading, or it'll stop the voiceover, right? But with sure, the, unless unless you mm-hmm. put it to read offline and use Voice Dream Reader to yeah, to exactly, which is a whole other thing. That's true. Yeah. If you want to do that, which if the article's long enough, might be worthwhile. But for most, for for you know, a typical journalistic length piece, if I'm going to read a a piece about NBA basketball, I'm not going to want to go to that trouble. What speak screen does is you just, once you've activated it, you just flick down with two fingers from the top of the screen and it reads you whatever is on that page. So now yep. what you can do, and, and the thing is that um, you can use the triple tap, right, of the side key or on the old phones of the home key to um, yep. turn voiceover uh, on and off, right? So what you do is you go and find the article you want using voiceover. Then you momentarily turn voiceover off. You flick down with your two fingers from the top of the screen. It starts reading the whole thing in speak screen. Then you can go do whatever else you want with the phone. You can go and like check your calendar or check emails, you know, uh, find the next article you're going to read and so forth. And it's just reading into your ear the whole time. So obviously I, I, I had mastered speak screen before I started using voiceover and I'm not 100% blind. So obviously I was in a slightly advantaged situation. Sure. But I will say it's worth investing 45 minutes in getting this double whammy going because you'll find that it's like, oh man, I can multitask way better. And, and I like the notion, and especially when I'm traveling, I have turned on speak screen, so I, I do know how to use it, mm-hmm. right? I, I explored it. Yeah. I think that, you know, in the right situation, you're absolutely right. And that's the key is learn when does the tool work for you? Right. And when are you forcing the tool into a situation? Right. And the, the best beauty of the, of the iPhone as the tool is it's one tool now. I used to carry around five tools to do all the right. different things I want. Yes. And five adapters and, and you know, <laughs> one ring to rule them all is what I want. Exactly. No, it really it really is amazing. As a result of not having all the other Googles now, I can always carry a spare battery with me because if my if my um, Bluetooth headphones or my phone runs out of juice, I feel like I'm I, I feel like I finally am a blind person. You know what I mean? If I if I lose those, my my interaction from the world be, with the world becomes so much more limited. So you know, I carry I carry a spare battery, and yeah, those are those are my main uh, my main tools for 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 getting through. So, are there any um, apps you want to recommend, uh, especially anything you've you've downloaded recently, or any features or anything else that you think uh, some some people may not know about? You know, I, I think the, the general the general word is out there. The KNFB Reader is my, my highest uh, reading app just for its, its power is the best. But it's, you know, it's been pricey, but you find the right deal and you get it. You know, that's a that's the one time investment that I think is worth the choice. Um, so, so sorry. I, so this is for so setting. I actually don't have this one. So so KNFB is that what you said? Yeah, KNFB Reader. It's the Kurzweil National Federation for the Blind. Oh, Reader. it's Kurzweil. Okay, and and is that on the computer? I use Kurzweil on the computer. Is that the same thing, or are you talking so, about phone? Sort of. It's it's going to use your phone camera to scan all your documents, oh. but it's also going to convert all your PDFs on your phone. So if somebody sends you a PDF file that's a, just a picture, it'll I do see. that for you. 
I see. So I just downloaded Voice Dream Scanner, which is only ten bucks. Uh, ten bucks? It might have only been six bucks. I don't know. It was some ridiculously yep. low price, and I didn't know about KNFB Radio. And I, I did. Um, and the Voice Dream Scanner has been a, a game changer for me. Now, I mean, look, most of the time, if I'm at a restaurant and I'm with friends, I'll just ask them to read me the menu anyway because it's easier and people yep. are really nice about it. But now I can take a photo of the menu. I mean, of course, sometimes I can find the menu online, but but they never make that as easy as it should be. But uh, yeah, now I can take a photo of the menu. With, uh, with voice stream scanner and it reads it to me it's shockingly good um, and uh, exactly so right. that was that was pretty interesting for me to, to get that and, and for again for just a couple dollars blind square my navigation app for when I'm walking around not to give me directions but to tell me what's around me mm-hmm. it's specifically I want to know what's the next street coming up mm-hmm. uh, it helps me cue my guide dog sometimes which ah, is worthwhile that's good um, especially in crowded areas. Also really good for menus because it has almost all the menus are in that app. When oh, I, is that right? When you know, I, could, I have Blind yeah. Square, but I haven't kind of mastered it. I, I guess that's one where I need to go and invest an hour or two in uh, in figuring it out. It it, uh, it sounded really neat and I downloaded it and I and then I, I kind of like, just didn't didn't get in the habit. The only thing I do sometimes use it for is if I'm in a taxi or Uber, I turn it on and it helps me make sure that I'm like going where I think I'm going, you know, because it'll exactly. say the names of streets you're passing on. That's pretty nice. So the new technology that's coming out that I would also sing the phrase, I heard you say Bluetooth headset, uh-huh. and I tend to use Aftershock Blues for the bone conductive. Uh-huh. I have, um, I have a pair yeah. of Aftershocks. I mostly use the um, uh, Beats X by Dre, which is kind of uh, – it's the one that it, – it, it hangs around your neck. But then uh, it's it's similar to the AirPods, but in the AirPod I feel is just going to fall out of my ear and I'll never find it. Whereas the Beats by Dre, it's like AirPods on a string basically. But the Aftershocks, but are, but the Aftershocks are very cool because they leave your ears open. Exactly, and they have a new device that starts mailing end of this month, mm-hmm. which is they built them into a pair of sunglasses. Really? One de- one device to rule the world. Oh, so now instead God, of sitting in front of your ear. Amazing. Yeah. And then it probably has a lot of battery life because you've got the whole sunglasses to use to for to stick a battery into. Whereas there, my I have to refill with uh, juice three times a day, which is slightly annoying. It's exactly right. So we'll see. I haven't seen what the battery power is like. They're promising more. They're called Revis. It's the same company, Aftershocks, they put them, but the device is called uh, Revis. R E V I S. I believe I believe so. Be, yeah. yeah, it hasn't shipped yet, so right. I can't I'm, tell you. I'm super interested now. You know, my other thing with sunglasses is that, like I need them to be insanely dark because I'm like blind and light sensitive both, which seems totally unfair. I just want to add, like, it seems like if I'm blind, I should not have to also be light sensitive, and uh, and and so it could be hard to find um, glasses that are dark enough. But um, but maybe I can get the lenses replaced if that's an issue, or or, or just they, paint them with black they, nail polish. I suppose <laughs> they know their audience, and you can order specific lenses with it right so they have options for what lenses are going to put in them when you order them with these revis yes wow oh man all right this is super exciting see oh man this this podcast is paying off already all right (laughs) fantastic so great all right so um all right so tell me so tell me we're we're going to get into the the climbing and all that stuff in a minute but tell me about um about what you're what you're doing is is the climbing the main thing you work on or do you or and 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 sort of speaking and those kinds of things or do you also kind of have a, a job you know unrelated to all that Sure. So uh, I, I would say I have two main jobs, main thrusts, one of which I've just let myself retire from, which I guess is good. So uh, Future Insight, I dedicated myself to do a lot of work, right, because they gave me that head start. So uh, I, I served on their board for uh, just over a decade. I was their chairman, and I just came off the board in January. So I'm still very involved with them, but much like, much like my association for the blind, right? I, there's so many people going through the transition I went to. 
I want them to be able to make sure they have the services and the skills and the training that's going to put them in a path to have a chance to take the same approach I did, which to have a great life, right? That should all be possible. Um, so that was that's a pretty hard job for the time that I went through it. Um, and in that journey, one of those one of those key components is how do you fiscally support these organizations? And that's what led me to found 2020 Vision Quest, which is the charity I began in 2010, 2008. There was a pretty big hit on our economy. Mm-hmm. And I was on the board at that time and got to see the impact. I got to see people that helped train me lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is unacceptable. How can I become a part of the solution? Um, since that day, we're going to come to November here at our a- annual event, our 10th and final fundraiser for our charity. Our charity's continuing, but we've transitioned our funding source. At that event, I believe we will, we will give away what will, will amount to our half a million dollars we'll have given since, since 2010 to, to the organization. So, I mean, I feel like we've, we've done a lot to, to generate that. Yeah. Um, All right. And so tell, yeah. tell us about 2020 Vision Quest and, uh, and its, uh, its goals and methods. Sure. So goal, goal is to fiscally support two organizations, uh, Future Insight, who trains people in New Hampshire and, and to the bordering states a little bit that, that are going through site loss. But also, I wanted to, to give back because of my guide dogs, right? So half of our funds go to each organization. So we support Guide Dogs for the Blind, which is out in San Rafael, California. Um, again, guide dogs are expensive. And, and if we had to pay for them, there'd be a lot of people who wouldn't have guide dogs, I suspect. Yeah. So. I, it's a, now, how, it's do, how do we generate that? And how, like your podcast, do we generate awareness of a different approach? And at that point in time, we were looking at, in 2010, there were 4.4 people, 4.4 million people in the United States who were severely sight impaired. And they expected in the year 2020 that there would be 32 million. And those numbers are, have proven true. Wait, um, say that again? 4.4 million when? In 2010, when we found it. Wait, in 10 years, it went from 4 million to 32 million? Correct. That's incredible. I mean, obviously, we're talking about an aging population phenomenon, but even so, that's extraordinary that the numbers... It's, ba- it's baby boomers getting macular degeneration. We know yeah. what age-related macular degeneration is the number one cause. Yeah, I, um, you know, as an RP sufferer, I'm like, you know, I, I tip my cap to the AMD people because I feel like they're going to end up curing RP by accident on their way to trying to make billions of dollars curing AMD. <laughs> That probably isn't an exactly accurate way of looking at the situation, but I feel like the diseases are similar enough, and that there's enough money to be made on AMD that that probably uh, we're getting we RP people are getting some spillover benefits is my is my speculation. And then as things changed, and there were reasons I got to reevaluate. Now I'm as comfortable with it as as ever, right? I'm I'm tall, I have gray hair, and I'm blind, and that, they're just aspects of me. They don't define me. The best line in the, in the history of television is uh, is uh, is a uh, Sam Malone, a bar, you know, uh, a Ted Danson on Cheers, um, saying to uh, saying to Rebecca, um, you know, you know, honey, great looks open doors, but great hair busts them down. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good line. I, I, I'd almost forgotten that it's been so long. It's, that uh, yeah, that 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 was a truly truly brilliant show. And as New Englanders, we can appreciate a brilliant show uh, set set in our backyard. Mm-hmm. Well, none of the things, my condition doesn't just attack my eyes, unfortunately. I know. Right. It attacks all of the nerves in my body at varying times. My eyes were just the first target, mm-hmm. my optic nerve. So in 2004, I went into a wheelchair because of a couple of different challenges, my cerebellum amongst them. Um, I have 
chronic demyelinating polyneuropathy, which is just to say that the myelin coating, the insulation on the wire of my nerves dies. I see. And I spent one year, eight months and 21 days in a wheelchair that ought to tell you how I felt about it. Yeah. And uh, when you can't walk, you really appreciate what a gift it is. Hey, they say there's only two days in a wheelchair, the day you go in and the day you come out. Well, you know, not everybody gets that second day. <laughs> and fortunately, not everybody has to experience the first day, right? Yeah. So uh, at least in my part, I got to have the second day if I was going to have the first. Yeah. Uh, so what do, you, what do you have to do to accomplish that? <laughs> A lot. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say there were two major, major approaches. Um, you get your, my balance system is what was attacked. Mm-hmm. And you get your balance from three things. You get it from your visual horizon, which as somebody who was totally blind, or I like to joke, I must be illegally blind. <laughs> um, you, uh, you don't get visual horizon. So that one's gone. Mm-hmm. So you get your semicircular canals, yep. your, right, which is your inner ear. So, that was the first system we worked and we did something called transtympanic injections. They go through your eardrum and they basically inject a steroid onto that nerve. The notion was get a stronger, louder signal to your brain to give you better balance. You do a, you do a surgical procedure Mm -hmm. then you do six weeks of physical therapy and you do that six times, three times per year. And by the end, kind of interestingly, I I staged through walking with loft strain crutches. So you'd have four legs, for better balance, lost strands of the crutches that kind of grab your forearm with pinchers and you have a handle. Uh-huh. So, so I almost looked like a Star Wars walker, right, when I wow. walked around with those things. Yeah. Um, but as I got better working with those, as this advanced, they said, okay, now let's get you down to one extra leg. Mm-hmm. And the occupational therapist who I worked with, she got me a hiking stick to try to work with. Hmm. And that – ultimately led took a took a few years obviously yeah but it led to my saying you know walking is a gift and i want to celebrate it in every way possible including getting back to the mountains which when i was a kid i did hike mm-hmm. and which i had given up when i went blind and which i now celebrate by hiking all over the world maybe not quite to the level of eric weinmeyer mind you though i have <laughs> hiked with eric a couple of who, times yeah who we're hoping to uh, have on the podcast as well we're reaching out to uh to eric i uh, i loved his book yeah, he's got a couple of them out there, right? Touch yeah. the Top, The yeah. Adversity Bandage. He's got a new one out there right now as oh, well. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I should I should read the letters. I just read Touch the Top of the World, yeah. Yep. The, uh, uh, great guy. Great guy and, and a remarkable person, right? No Barriers is uh, is a great organization that he's putting together mm-hmm. similarly, right? So Yeah. Well, so tell, all right, so tell me about so, – so you went from couldn't walk at all, then you're walking with a hiking stick, and then you're like, well, since I've got a hiking stick, I may as well do some hiking. Is that the basic story? <laughs> That's the, yeah, that's the fast progression. And hiking is sort of analogous to lots of things, right? Um, reaching your peak potential, how do we become the best we can be? That's a part of the journey that I want all of us to be on. Mm-hmm. And that's the funny thing about my, my whole journey of sight loss is that you asked, where was I before sight loss? I was this 20-year, 22-year-old kid that thought I was going to have a very successful life. Yeah. When I went blind, I thought all of that was ruined. By the time I was hiking again, even when I went into the wheelchair, my mindset had already totally changed at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and I always looked at things as, how am I going to do the things I want? How am I going to get out of the wheelchair or how am I going to make the most of being in the wheelchair? That was kind of a two-pronged effort. Mm-hmm. But the point was challenge. Mountains are synonymous with challenge, but challenge is a catalyst in our world that helps us grow, learn, become something more. And that includes the catalyst for me of going blind. I, 
if I hadn't gone blind, I don't know that I would have had even half of the success and happiness that I achieve today. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I wouldn't have had to go blind to do that. Right. But I would have had to have the same mindset of adversity growth mindset. And it doesn't have to be negative adversity. And, and going blind absolutely was a negative in my world. But my response to it ultimately, through some pitfalls, said, no, 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 this is an adversity. Whether it's negative or positive is all about how I respond to it. Mm-hmm. And so mountains are just kind of highlight that. And I said, I can use this to share in a lot of ways with, with people, both by the example that, you know, hiking gets certainly gets, got a little attention here in New Hampshire because we have a lot of good mountains. Um, but how did I then turn this into my, my talks and presentations to people? And I started sharing it at the schools, school age level. Mm-hmm. So I speak to students, you know, at that point in time, it was really probably grades one through, uh, high school. Yeah. Um, now K through college is, is very common. I speak at a lot of colleges, a couple of commencements that I've done actually almost a dozen. So now. you've given us a great sense of, of who you are and why you do what you do. Let's do a little how and where, uh, sorry, a little, a little what and where, and then we can get into how. So the what and where I mean is tell us about some of your climbing accomplishments. I've read about doing all the New Hampshire peaks and so forth, but, uh, fill us in on some of the, some of the things you've done that are, you know, sort of, uh, that you're the proudest of, or that you just think are the, the most interesting or, or sure. that people find remarkable, even if you yourself think that anyone could do it or, or whatever. Uh, sure. You know, in the in the hiking world, you know, I think Kilimanjaro is probably the tallest, so that stands out. It's the tallest mm-hmm. standalone in the world. That's over in uh, Tanzania. Yep, absolutely. Uh, um, I went to uh, just to Peru, and we did Machu Picchu, which a lot of people do. But then we took five days, and we went back country around this massive, beautiful mountain that's even bigger than Kilimanjaro called Asangate, mm-hmm. and we came out on the backside to look at this mountain called Vinacunca which is Rainbow Mountain. And it's, it's become very popular just about the year that we were there. It started to, to become known. But we got to be the only group up there enjoying it because we went this remote location through the Andes to get there instead of this new trail they were going to blaze that was going to be a car ride out to a day hike. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was an amazing trip, right? Backcountry in the Andes is pretty pretty special. You know, I've, I've hiked the Grand Canyon, which would be pretty unremarkable, but it had it had a, a remarkable aspect for me, which is that I get out there and our trails in New England are twisty, rocky, rooty. It's you know, there's a lot of work about footing and footing. Yeah, is- I'm gonna I'm getting to ask you about that soon because I've tried to do some hiking in New England and I'm not totally blind and I struggle. So so, uh, but we'll we'll come back to that. Where was I before sight loss? I was this 20 year, 22 year old kid that thought I was going to have a very successful life. There is a lot to Randy Pierce. In next edition of Dangerous Vision, the Randys talk about hiking, marathons, and being authentic. Mountains are synonymous with challenge, but challenge is a catalyst in our world that helps us grow, learn, become something more. You're listening to the Dangerous Vision podcast, a production of the Massachusetts Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired.